Yo, yo, just a disclaimer. This podcast is meant for informational purposes only. We are not financial advisors, so please do your own research. Welcome to Going Deep with AJ and Vernon, presented by Vayner Sports Pass. Welcome back. Episode three, Going Deep. Can't believe we're three into it, but this is fun. Thanks for joining us. AJ, what's good, my man? What's up, brother? How we doing? Doing well, doing well. Got back from LA. A little bit of all-star stuff since Jordan Jordan Lawler got put in the Futures game. Yeah, Had no plans of going to LA. Um, glad I went. Got a chance to see him do his thing. And it's amazing for, for a young kid to be in high school one year and then be playing in Dodger Stadium the next in a Futures game. Uh, it's fun. Fun to see young talent. Fun to see him be happy and his mom hope. So had a blast. That's awesome, man. That, that, was, that was a fun one for us as an agency, right? Because we had – for us this year, I feel like the All-Star game was like a, a youth movement uh, in the sense that we had, you know, Jordan in the Futures game, Alejandro, Shane, like definitely fun to have some of our, uh, our best and youngest on stage. So it, it was a great weekend. Hyped. No, no doubt, no doubt. Um, what was what was your take on the home run derby? Just based on you know, and you participate. We talked about it. you've been in one. Like, what, what you think of the derby this year? Yeah, I like not. I try not to talk about my experience because it was it didn't last very long. Um, so yes, we will act like that never happened. Um, but it's fun. I think it's. I think for the way they've changed it um to get as many swings as you can in a certain amount of time it adds some excitement to it uh i'm i love seeing the young superstars in the game doing it um unfortunately we don't necessarily get that as much in like the slam dunk contest just because of, great point you know, it is what it is um so i love seeing that um but then you have you have the polar bear going against one of i mean obviously going against young superstar and julio rodriguez and losing that but Juan Soto is special. Um, what he's able to do with a bat in his hand, it's it's impressive. And everything that he's going through uh, outside of the game, uh, to be able to just tunnel that and focus and and put on a show, uh, it shows it shows who he is. So I I enjoy it. I think it's I think it's one of the better events when it comes to showcasing at, at an All Star event. You made such a great point. The, it's it's a shame that the slam dunk contest doesn't operate the same way right now. Like. What, that has to change. What do you think changes that? Because uh, I think I saw something that maybe Julio made as much or more from the bonus from his placement in the Derby versus rookie salary. Like, do you think the NBA needs to put up a, a pot of cash to get the next LeBron and the next group to do it? Or how do you think we fix the slam dunk? Because I miss it and what it meant. Yeah. And then also, I feel like it also needs a refreshing. It's kind of like there's only so much that can happen in a slam dunk contest. So I'm curious. Putting you on the spot, your NBA commissioner Vernon Wells. How do you fix the slam dunk contest? Well, the problem is, like, if you if you're putting if you're putting money towards it, NBA players make a stupid amount of money, like early on in their career too. So now, that bag that they're having to get has got to be huge. So it's got to be that component with possibly a charitable component that matches it from yeah. from the league. Yeah, and and glorify the game like if you're glorifying the game which they obviously do a great job of, of doing when it comes to that slam dunk contest you have you put the biggest names the the best jumpers the people the names that everybody knows in the game and you do that 
it would blow everything else out of the water. Like it wouldn't be five, five million dollars to the winner. That gets everybody going, right? It gets everybody going. Maybe $5 not older, but yes, you get job. You get job. Right. You get get those guys to do it. And And it comes bragging. Like you start bragging at that point. Well, here's the thing too. Here, I think the the 5 million bucks has like a dub. First of all, 5 million bucks is not that much money for like the NBA to invest or to get even a brand sponsor, like, or a few brands, like Super Bowl commercials for 30 seconds or 3 million bucks. I think you can find a brand to put up five and then even match the other five. Like I don't think 10 million bucks is a problem. And where I think it solves twice and it's pretty interesting is 5 million bucks gets John Morant going, even though he's making a ton, 5 million, even like Zion just got 200 something. I still think he wants an extra five. You're going to take five, even if you got 200, but then two, I think the intensity level would be low. Like the, like now it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's all jokey and everybody's laughing when there's five million bucks on the line, guys are going to have an edge, and I think we're going to feel that edge. And maybe I don't know. I just love competition so much, but I think that's going to feel through the screen and take it even another level. And you're t- real, real, real money gets it going. Yeah, exactly. And they're going to be they're going to be planning for it. Like right. they're going to be putting the time in to to put a show on, and it would it would become the greatest show possibly of NBA weekend. Like if it would it would be awesome. if you're one of the premier dunkers, and there's a five million dollar cash prize. It makes sense to put somebody on salary for $200,000, dollars a year that's a data scientist that just graduated from MIT just to invest in the research of how you could win the dunk contest, right? Like mm-hmm. we're talking about real money and that, that would money. create a wild environment. I think we just changed it. I think we just changed it. I think we fixed it. Adam Silver, you heard it here. We're good. We'll just take front row seats when you pull the trigger. Please. Uh, yes. <laughs> What, uh, let's let's hop over to NFT land before we get to our guest, Keith Smith. Keith has the ability to talk sports and NFTs. So before uh, we hop into that interview with Keith, um, NFT space, Vern, remind me, you're what? Early four? How old are you? This is not. I, I was not like a trick, or I'm just asking for real. No, I always had to think about how old I am, anyways, because I, I don't even think about it. I think I'm 43. Yeah, 43. You're 43. Um, cartoons growing up. What cartoons hit for you growing up at 43? You're in between me and my brother, so I don't know. I guess my sister, she never talks about cartoons. Yeah, I was, I had issues growing up as a kid. Like, I was sheltered. I only time I got outside was, like, playing sports. I was kind of a weirdo. People, I don't know, it was, I had, I had issues growing up as a child. But the only things I remember, like, watching as a kid was, like, Saved by the Bell. Okay, so uh, no cartoon. I didn't really watch there's many. No, cartoons. There's no cartoon that like hits you in all the feels. Yeah, no, no, no. All right, well, you? This, was all, this was all. Yeah, I, this was all a big setup for my NFT thing I wanted to cover, but I uh, I didn't do a good job. I picked uh, a scenario in which you don't care about cartoons, but yes, cartoons were big for me. Um, I was not as sheltered. TV was fine. I want, and especially having older siblings, I saw you know. Curse, you know, fuck shit, damn. That was I was like six when I was hearing those and using those. So, and I think everybody listening um, has a good familiarity of the type of mouth my brother possesses. So I had the yeah. outside experience, yeah. um, and so the reason I set that all up and it's so off topic is it's actually very on topic. And full disclosure, I do hold a financial interest in the success of what I'm about to bring up: um, the Nickelodeon NFT drop. So the first mm-hmm. Nickelodeon drop happened. I'm 35. Nickelodeon was a big deal for me. Um, okay. And our uh, an investment in Vayner Fund, the VC fund focusing on Web3 that Gary and I have, along with some of our partners, 
Um, we're investors in a company called Recur. And Recur partnered up with Nickelodeon, provided the technology and the framework and the strategy to launch this NFT. So yes, I am biased. Check the blockchain. I bought two of them off secondary well after Mint. I gave it time. I never want to make money off inside information or anything like that. But I will talk about uh, what Recur Nickelodeon did. It was a top trading project on OpenSea, so I was into it. And it hit me hard. I'm the target. I'm 35. Rugrats were big for me when I was like 7, 8, 9, 10. And then Hey Arnold was big, 11, 12, 13. So I, I hit it perfect. Uh, for those that are in that same era, I was crushed to not see Rocket Power in the mix. I think Rocket Power, I need an auto NFT to go with my Tommy Pickles and my uh, Arnold. But um, it was just cool to see. And I, I was curious to see if you caught the Nickelodeon drop. Actually, I know you caught the Nickelodeon drop because we're in a text thread where it was discussed. But tell me a little bit about your perspective on caught a big brand drop entering the NFT space recently. Yeah, which is interesting. Like it's and it kind of piggybacks off some other conversations we've had when it comes to celebrities and now big yes. brands doing these things um, and then attaching it to something that people truly love and remember as kids. Like it, it seems ideal. Obviously, if Nickelodeon is going to continue to do this and continue to spark it, I think it's brilliant. Um, and you talk about Nickelodeon. See, my kids. Now I'm aging myself a little bit. My my kids watch cartoons, but right. they watch Disney than right. Nickelodeon. Um, and the Disney Disney's changed so much over the years too. But it would make sense for some of the shows that they watched. And you you bring those characters to life through NFTs. Yep. I understand the nostalgia behind it. Um, then it's obviously with anything else, it's executing from that point on. What do you continue doing? What do you continue growing yep. um, and doing for the community? Which with Rugrats, um, I remember. I remember. I had fam some, some kids in the family that loved Rugrats. We didn't really get into it, but now it's what are they going to do next? Like yeah. that's, no, that's, that's that's thing that everybody's it, with, with NFTs. Like what's what's yeah. what's next? Nobody's really concentrating on the now. No, that's super fair, and I agree. They got to do something. I think you know. There's, I mean, well, let me phrase. They don't have to do something. They don't have to say yeah. that. Um, I think. The, at the current environment we are in July 2022, the expectation probably most of the buyers that they will so that they have to balance. Um, but I'll be honest, like this was one of the first NFTs where I bought it because it just pulled on my heartstrings. Like it, it was like, how do I not own a toppy pick? Like I'm in the NFT space. And by the way, caveat, I have the luxury that, you know, financially I'm stable and I can afford to throw up, you know, 500 bucks or something, whatever it was on a Tommy Pickles NFT. So I don't want to discount that part of it, but like as somebody that has invested seven figures in NFTs and a lot of it I have bought cause I like the art. So I want to make sure I differentiate, but this was, I didn't give a shit about the art. I didn't give a shit about the utility. This was a different thing. This was the same reason. Here's a little insight into where like my viewing behavior, the same reason that the last three nights I've ended on the couch with watching a Royal Rumble from the mid nineties. Cause I love nostalgia. It's fun for me to go back and think about what it was like when I was watching Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, or watching Tommy Pickles and Arnold. And I forget, I'm a bad Hey Arnold fan. I remember Arnold's last name, but I think you get my point. So that was, that's interesting. I'm curious to see how that just develops in general. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you brought up another great point of like the reasons why you buy NFTs. Is it art? Is it, is it just, 
something visually that is just stunning to you that you just you really want to be a part of uh is it something strange uh, i mean i saw some of the, the oddities stuff that came out from moonbirds it's it's weird but if that's your thing then you're like okay this is this is awesome i, I love different things or if it's just straight nostalgia from a project that you just truly love and you want to be a part of it it lends itself to so many different things which is what i love learning about this community no doubt all right, let's uh let's pivot. Let's bring on uh Keith Smith, aka Beef. Uh this will be a fun one. Keith, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? I'm good, man. Happy to be here. Um finally get a get a little spot in in the VSP world. Yes, sir. Uh I mean, where are we at right now? Are you in the studio or you got a little purple light? You know, in the this, this, this the boom boom room. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> where all the magic goes down. And we can't, we can't really, unless you sign an NDA, we can't talk about what goes on down here. You know what I'm saying? What, what are you, Snoop? Yeah, basically. Basically. <laughs> it, it was inspired by, by the Snoop compound. Yeah, exactly. Shout out yeah. to you. Yeah. And, and yeah the, just the, just the, you and mama in the boom boom room. That's it. <laughs> No, my mom, mom's not allowed down here. You know what I'm saying? I gotta, I gotta keep her pure. So, well, awesome, man. Uh, Keith, I appreciate you joining us. Um, what's fun about you, similar to our last client that joined us, Justin Turner. You know, obviously, you're an NFL player. That's your day job. Um, but you're at the tippy top of the DGens that we have. So it's gonna be fun chopping it up about ball, but also NFTs. I know yeah. our community loves it when we got athletes that are, are really talking shop. So what about, um, let's dig in a little bit. Let's, let's go. We're going to bounce around a lot. Uh, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time. I know a lot about you, so we can have a lot of fun with this combo. Um, I'm going to jump right into like one of my favorite aspects of your story. Um, you know, you obviously play fullback. You're on the offensive side of the ball for the Atlanta Falcons um, but people, if they don't dig in, they don't know that you are a tackle machine as a linebacker on the other side of the ball and, you know, your story and, and how you ended up being so successful. And what is this year? Nine. Nine. That's what I thought. We're one away from yeah. year. I mean, year nine in the NFL, it's like okay. it's hard to do. You know, Vernon, Vernon knows a lot of year nine baseball players. It's a little bit more achievable in my opinion with baseball, but uh, first of all, I don't want to take it. That's not fair. Baseball is a super hard sport, and it's tough. oh no, no, it's fine. Yeah, we're much soft. We're much softer than that guy. So yeah, we're good. Yeah, uh, but to you know, enter year nine as somebody that switched sides of the ball. I remember you know when we first started working together during the earlier part of your NFL career. Like, can you tell the audience a little bit about your story? Coming out of college, coming in as a UDFA with the Cowboys, being a linebacker, and about the switch to fullback, where you ultimately you know went on to have such a long. And continued great career. Yeah, um, it's really a, a roller coaster of a journey, you know. And um, like you said, I played linebacker my whole career, my whole life. That's just I didn't even really play both ways on in in high school like that. I played here and there, tight end and fullback, but in special packages. Um, but I was a linebacker at the core, and I feel like I still am. But um, anyways. Like you said, I came in um, to Dallas as an undrafted free agent, um, led the nation in tackles my senior year in college and didn't really get much love, you know, as far as um, combine invites or any real high, high profile all-star games and whatnot. And I played in this little um, 
I don't even think it's going anymore. It was called the Medal of, Medal of Honor Bowl. And it was in uh it was at the Citadel in somewhere out Yeah, I don't think I don't you know, I don't think that's around anymore. Yeah, exactly. So basically it was just like kind of a one-off type thing. And there was some good talent and um Malcolm Butler played in mm-hmm. it, uh Roosevelt Knicks, yeah, uh um Turbo Taylor, uh what's Turbo's real name. Anyways, Turbo played for the Bears and the Taylor Falcons. Gabriel, right? Taylor Gabriel, yeah. Yeah, the receiver, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and there's there's quite a, a few guys that actually made it out of there. But anyways, long story short, didn't get much love. Ended up sign, signing with uh, the Cowboys and um, just kind of fought politics um, heavy the first few years there. And um, I was cut. Resigned about 20 plus times over the first two years of my career uh, as a linebacker. They drafted two guys my year, um, and then they drafted two two linebackers again the next year. So, like, it was just a lot of money in front of me. We were kind of deep at, at linebacker Sean Lee, Justin Durant. We had a talented room. Um, so – it was much, much respect to those guys, but it was just, it was frustrating uh, in, in my seat because I was, I just felt like the, the odds were stacked against me. And um, I, I just kind of grinded it out and I, I kind of made a name for myself on special teams and kind of um, uh, ingrained myself in my special teams coach's head, uh, Rich Basaccia, and he kind of became my best friend. Uh, throughout my career, really. And um, so after my second season in Dallas, um, towards the end of the season, it was like the last week of the season. Um, Like I said, I was up and down on the active roster, P-Squad. So I was doing scout team heavy. I was literally playing everything. I was playing running back. I was playing tight end. I was playing fullback. I was playing receiver. Like, And I was out there actually catching on dudes and making plays on Anthony Brown. Hopefully he hears this so he can (laughs) mind himself for them days. But, um, yeah, I I was just really having having a ball, having fun, and um, just um, doing my part to contribute to the team however I could. And it was funny because one of my my boys – he he one of the OGs, uh Tyrone Crawford, he he actually mm-hmm. pulled me aside and he was like, he was like, hey beef, you better slow down over there on, on Scout Scout O, because you're gonna end up over there on that side of the ball. And I was like, man, watch out. And little little lo and behold, uh the last week of the season, uh our uh our running back coach, rest in peace, Gary Brown. Um, he, he had approached me. He was like, how do you feel about the running back room? And I was like, man, just kind of, kind of shook it off. And he was like, no, I'm serious. Like we're really considering trying you out at fullback. And, um, so like that off season had my exit meeting with coach Garrett and he kind of gave me the lay of the land of what, what they, what they had in mind and stuff. And just kind of went from there. And then, um, I tell you the the turning point in mentally for me was it was during OTAs that off season and I was starting to learn the offensive playbook. You know, it's 
-hmm. it's a whole new language. It's like Spanish. So I had to um, kind of convert myself and I was still being stubborn to myself. Like I'm a linebacker, you know what I'm saying? Just trying to buy in. And um, uh, Jason Witten pulled me aside and he was like, he was like, yo, he was like, what do you have on two jet? And, and I was like, uh, stuttered and it just took a second for me to, to get it. And he was like, Nope. He was like, see, he was like, that's the fucking shit. Excuse my language, guys. Are you good? This is a Vaynerchuk led podcast material. He was like, that's the fucking shit that's going to get you cut. He was like, he was like, I'll tell you what. He was like, I've seen what you've done on scout team and everything. And he was like, you have what it takes to to make make this transition, blah, blah. And the, the fact that the coaches are trying to make you transition means that they believe in you as well. And he was like, he was like, you got to be on your P's and Q's and know everything up and down so that when the opportunity comes, then then you're ready. And um, that's kind of that was my 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 turning point mentally. I was like, dang, the GOAT. Mm-hmm. He's telling me I could do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jay Witt was kind of the OG, like, you know, Hall of Fame, Cowboys all time, yeah. you know? So it was just kind of like, oh, wow. Like, okay. And then um, at that at that moment, I just kind of made the transition mentally. Like, okay, like I'm all in. And then just kind of uh, went, went about my business training and everything. And then um, – that first year playing fullback was Zeke and Dak's uh, rookie year. And so just kind of the stars aligned, had a premier back, premier quarterback, you know what I'm saying, on on the offense. And we kind of had a pretty magical year up until that dang uh, we met A-Rod in the, in the playoffs, mm. um, Houdini. Uh, but anyways, um, it kind of just – that, that was the turning point in my career, and it kind of just set me off in the year nine. You know what I'm saying? And and yeah, so. I, I've just been blessed and fortunate that God has kind of put me in the, in the right right places and um, just gave, given me the opportunities that I've had to to actually take advantage of. So, yeah, as as a cowboy fan, every name that you mentioned resonates with me. Um, <laughs> and, and even that year, I mean, that was as far as offensive line, as far as backfield goes, as far as everything worked like, yeah. and you're one of the ones leading, leading that charge. So it's impressive because offensively, I mean, up until, yeah, you ran into Aaron Rodgers, there, there was no stopping that offense. Like it was a fun right. offense to watch. And that was, that's fun to see you in the middle of that year one of doing it, which is, which is amazing. Yeah. But I, I tell people all the time, like, if you play linebacker outside of any other position, you have to have a touch of crazy. Like there's got to be some, yeah. there's got to be some screw loose for you to be willing to go hit somebody every time with that type of force. Did am I am I accurate in that assessment? Oh, hundred percent. That's okay. that's what I said at the core. I think it actually helped me yeah. uh, during my transition because I still hold that to to this day and. You, you like as a linebacker, when I'm my mentality was like, Oh, they got a fullback, I'm gonna kill him, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, like, when I switch sides on the other side of the ball, now it's like, Okay, like, knowing, knowing the mentality of 
a lot of linebackers in the league, they really not about that life. And I'm about that life. So it's like, okay, I'm coming like every snap, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to let you know. Yep. Uh, so like it, it kind of, um, it just, it, it worked out in my favor that I really was doing the same thing. I just couldn't wrap up and tackle. I'm hitting right. folks, you know what I'm saying? And, and yep. trying to crack you, but you just don't have a ball this time. So, and, and it helped me uh, on my teams, you know what I'm saying? So like, that's mm -hmm. why I've been so successful on special teams is just my linebacker background. And I was going to say, you know, you're a special teams beast, you know, type of guy that shows up on the Pro Bowl ballots high on the list. Um, is special teams for you like that outlet where you get to be like, man, like I'm a linebacker too. Like, is that an outlet for you to get to go back to those glory days? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Because it's, it's very similar to defense. Um, a lot of uh, the teams, what – kick off, uh, punt, you turn into a defensive player. And so it was kind of my, my, like you said, my outlet to mm -hmm. let my, my linebacker uh, live out on the field still. And um, I still let, I still let the uh, LB coaches on our teams know like, yo, if you need a, a goal line backer, like I talk, I legit, uh, uh, AJ, I'll be talking to uh, coach Bush. He's our linebacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And he's like, "Hey, I've seen the the that Dallas uh, the Dallas film on you. Like, when you when you ready, like, let me know. I'm like, yo, like, let's do this. Cause I mean, you know, you know, my last years in Dallas, I was like uh, emergency LB. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would get reps at linebacker um, the, every Thursday. I get a couple reps or whatever, and just just so I'm, I'm yeah. fresh on on everything. But um, yeah, so I mean, just the special teams, and that goes back to the uh, the point about Rich Passaccio. He kind of stood on the table for me, and uh, during that transition, it was like, well, let's keep this guy in the building, turn him yeah. into a fullback, and and get him on the field. It was kind of his selfish way of getting me on the roster so he could use me on teams, yep. and um, kind of. By the way, he he carried that through, right? Think back to free agency. It's not exactly. an action where you landed, right? Right, exactly. Took took his talents to Oakland and then brought me with him. So um, I still talk to him all the time too, um, just here and there when he's not busy. And you guys see seen what he did last year with the Raiders as interim. Yeah. I wasn't surprised at all. So were you hyped when he got the interim role? Oh, I was juiced. I, I texted him, texted my boys over there and stuff like y'all in good hands and and, and whatnot and. It was just interesting because, you know, Rich has been around a long time and been on some great teams as well. And um, he's never been the head guy. You know, he's he's been assistant head coach, yeah. but never been head coach and stuff. So it was just interesting kind of seeing him in that dynamic. For sure. What about, uh, what about the origin of the nickname? I mean, I, I call you Beef pretty much primarily, and, and for good reason, drinking – giant gallons of things and <laughs> tell us a little bit about the beef nickname and the origin story no it, it's really really simple um you know actually my funny thing my uncle tries to um take credit for the nickname but i was too young to remember that he called me beef beefy but but whatever um but no really it started in high school um a lot of people call me keith and mm -hmm. 
Um, then like from my sophomore to my uh, no 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 from my junior to my senior year, I gained like twenty five pounds uh, of like muscle, and um, then then there and I was I would bring I would bring I want to say three meals to school every day meal prep from home. And like, I was, so every time you see me, I was eating. It was like, man, we're going to call you beef. You ain't Keith no more. You beef. And then it kind of carried over to college. And then they were like, they seen why they called me beef. And then it just kind of stuck. Yeah. yeah. So. I love it. Um, switching gears real quick. NFTs. Tell us about your NFT journey. Cause like I said, you're a D-Gen. <laughs> facts for real um i mean i i can accredit you and and gary for just kind of spurring my interest um 100 because had no no knowledge previously of of what it was couldn't believe i was spending what i spent on that crypto punk but i'm glad i did and um just kind of took off from there. And then I just started doing my, my research, you know, um, always hitting you up, asking you questions here and there uh, about this and about that. And then um, just started kind of really getting into the nitty gritty of Twitter and seeing how, um, how pop, how powerful Twitter is amongst that community. Mm -hmm. And um just seeing the the different nuances of NFTs because there's so many levels and and like differences and like it's so new so like nobody knows anything and even if they do say they know some they probably really don't and like it's just it's just such a foreign territory it was it was just um very intriguing especially with my experience with the punk it was like dang like trying to find my next punk type type stuff. And then um, then I started networking and uh, just talking to folks. And there's a lot of good people. It's it's kind of, it gives me real hippie vibes. Like the, the NFT movements, like everybody loves everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe cross chain, there's a little differences, Solana versus ETH. But I still feel like if you're an NFTer, it's kind of just like love, mutual love, you know what I'm saying? And that's what I appreciated about it because it was like there was a lot of uh, good organic energy. And um, I, I just think there's so much um, so much opportunity slash um, there's so many things that that can come from NFTs, you know what I'm saying? Like just with the the ability of the smart contracts and and everything, especially for athletes, um, I think NFTs are are prime because the following of NFTs is it's a very similar um, it's a very similar product as merchandise. You know what I'm saying? Like memorabilia that you collect and and whatnot. And I and I think it's an easy way for a lot of high profile guys to monetize. Um, but but I I personally um, I I've been doing a lot in the real estate field and I see the uh, potential there with NFTs and I honestly think that to me it's a no brainer that um, like 
housing titles and just pro property titles are going to become NFTs because once they figure out how to um, fit all the language and everything on the back end and, and the logistics and everything, um, it's just, it's too, it, it makes too much sense. You know what I'm saying? And um, so like that, for, for me, that's, that's one thing that I've been trying to look, look more into, but, but like I said, um, just my journey through throughout networking with Twitter and and learning about these alpha groups and, and everything and just the power behind those and, and whatnot. Um, it was it's just pretty pretty cool. There's so much so much stuff, like literally just so much stuff to learn with NFTs and and it's almost a never ending journey. You know. What I'm saying? So you mentioned something at the beginning that uh, Justin Turner actually said the same thing when we first interviewed him is you listened to aj and you listened to gary and you acted i didn't do that unfortunately <laughs> i was i was stupid so but for you like with projects and you see different things like what draws you to certain projects now um i think it's i think it's uh, my my uh my passion is in the utility you know what i'm saying like I'm a big art guy and whatnot, but like I said, like that's why the real estate piece in intrigues me because when you could put a, a dope utility behind Gary's genius, like with with his whole V friends, like just giving access to himself, you know what I'm saying? Like that was next level thinking. You know, he's early and and that just when you can figure out a, a dope utility to put behind these nfts i think it just makes it that much more valuable you know what i'm saying and more sustainable more than just art because a lot of times the art can phase out like people get get into these trendy um feels of like oh just how the waves of anime has come and like then you got the apes and everybody has an ape type of ape, different type. You know what I'm saying? Like it just kind of comes and goes. But when you have a utility that's going to continue to work forever, you know what I'm saying? Like to me, that that's that's what I like the best. I mean, because, you know, the typical structure is um, IRL events, uh, merchandise, and and pretty much that's it. M yeah. Most don't have a unique twist to it. You know what I'm saying? But um, I I enjoy when a project comes with a, a fire utility um, that's just unique that makes you want to be a part of that community. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's another piece is the community. Like, how uh, do it, does it seem like people are front runners and right. and whatnot? But I mean that's always hard to dictate because you're you're dealing with a lot of people who hide behind these these wallets and whatnot. So makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, that's something we I try to talk about all the time too, as I learn learn about this process and the communities that I see and the people behind it. Like you said, it's true. It's like everybody's pulling in the same direction. That's which you don't often see in life. Right. That's dope. Yeah, and I think that's that's a um I mean, what Gary talks about it all the time in all his little um, videos and stuff, just a collective, like, 
abundance, living from abundance, you know what I'm saying? And, and just, it doesn't have to be us against you. You know what I'm saying? Like we can all win, you know? And, and I, that's the vibe that NFT community has given me. And that's why I've enjoyed it uh, so much. Beef, what about, so you mentioned the alpha groups quickly. I know you got, you know, you glossed over it, but you know, you've got really deep into one in particular. I think you jump started it. Can you talk a little bit about your alpha group and your experience getting involved? Yeah. Um, a, you're talking about a one alpha and yeah, yeah. it really was just kind of a, a idea that I had with a couple of people that I, I met in the NFT community. And I was just kind of thinking about like, just my network and um, just a lot of times how, how cash grabby and like cheap uh, a lot of these alpha groups can, can seem as like, they're just literally trying to create a pass or something that they're going to make a few hundred thousand off of. And then there's no, there's no value in it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's not sustainable. And so like, that's kind of why I created the, the group was one to, to help onboard like my network of athletes and, and peoples to just get around like brilliant minds in the space and kind of get good knowledge and good takes on different, different projects or, or what be it and really just get around good people in, in the community. So like, that's kind of what it's became. And that's why I never wanted to charge like a lot of these alpha groups do because it was like, really like this should just be a vibe. You know what I'm saying? Like, and especially the, the, the uh, network that we have built, have built in a one alpha is like a lot of people, we have a lot of influence in there and, and whatnot. And really it's like, there's a, I met a ton of good peoples through, through just like reaching out to people like, do you want to join blah, blah, this and that. And then come to find out like, this is a great person. You know what I'm saying? Like just talking to people and, and just seeing. And also what I enjoyed was the different, um, the different cultures people came from. Like there's people from Turkey there's people from Australia in, in our group, just people from everywhere doing NFTs, you know what I'm saying? And like-minded individuals and having regular conversations, you know what I'm saying? It's just cool to kind of see people on different time zones. So it's like I'm waking up to a thousand messages and then like going to see, you know, it's, it's just a, a, a cool dynamic and seeing like how you could build a community like that within the space and um, even um, just leverage it, tr trying to help and get, be a part of different projects as well was, was, was cool too, has been cool. Um, but you know, it's, 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 a, it was, it's been a lot of work um, yeah. trying to uh, maintain and, and really continue to bring value. So, I mean, I, I feel like that's, that's just with anything, but it's it's just been a, a pretty awesome experience nonetheless. And met, like I said, met a ton of great people throughout. Love it, love it. All right, I'm jumping back to football because football. I love football, man. It's my it's my passion. <laughs> I was uh, 
this is this is way before your time. I was actually going to Texas to play both uh, out of high school, uh, oh, like football and baseball. Yeah, that was back when Texas was good, and then UT. you know, yeah, UT. Yeah, now now they're gonna be good again because they're paying everybody. So hopefully that'll be the case. <laughs> no, the co- collectives are paying. The collectives. I'm sorry. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's what it is. Um, but for you guys, huge change going into this year, losing. Losing your signal quality, losing losing a, mm-hmm. a legend at the quarterback position, like yeah. what are the difficulties and the struggles that are gonna that you see taking place when you have that big of a change at that big of a key position? Um, honestly, it's I think it's the the crazy thing is our whole team. I think uh, I was talking to one of our athletic trainers. Um, few weeks back and I think they said there's only 30 players on our roster that were here last year out of the 90 that we have so one it's a whole new team Mm -hmm. almost you know what I'm saying and I want to say that there's Grady and uh Jake and and then the the rookie class that was here when I came here are the highest like tendered. I don't know, I think there's only like two or three of the rookies from that class here still. Okay. But anyways, I'm one of the highest tendered uh Falcons on the team now. And this is going yeah, that's, in- cra- that's crazy to me because you were a Raider five seconds ago. Exactly. <laughs> I was you know what I mean right. The the other thing is when I got here there was I want to say three people from California. Now half of our team is from California, like from California uh, schools, team, whatever. Like it's it's just been a, a crazy shift in dynamic. But I think that our system is it's probably perfect for for the change that's going going on because it's not really heavily relied on on Matt Ryan's position, you know what I'm saying? Right. On the quarterback position. I think we need a, a solid um, a solid decision maker, just like any other team. Mm-hmm. But um, really, it's, it's our we're going to live and die by our run game. And if we can't establish our run game, then – and I, I really – I think that's football, really. Like, yeah, that's football. Okay. If and you I'll, don't have a run game, like, you're not going to really have yeah. a chance. I'll jump in real quick too, which is interesting where, you know, you got Arthur Smith head coach and his system and his offense. And I have a massive amount of bias in this conversation, as you know, but when we're talking about the quarterback position, he's got one of two options that he and the team are going to figure that out. We obviously have our guy Vayner sports you know, rookie Desmond Ritter, super Mm -hmm. talented. And I think fits exactly what they want to do. And then conversely, he's got uh, Marcus Mariota in there, which is somebody that he had back in Tennessee. So I think, You know, given what it seems like based on the moves that they've done, they're moving towards that type of quarterback. And then either they're either going to go with now or in the future it may change. Depends on, again, I'm super biased, so I won't say too much. (laughs) But you either got somebody that knows it or somebody that fits it perfect. And it'll it'll shake its way out one way or the other. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think they've said I think they put put enough pieces in our, our room, in our locker room to, to where we can have some success. I mean, you, you guys seen, well, I hope you guys seen what Kyle Pitts did last year. And Mm -hmm. honestly, 
from firsthand experience, I don't even think Kyle's really tapped into his greatness yet. Like, he hasn't unlocked his dog in him. Like, he still was a pup last year, like, kind of um, re- really almost in a just a humble state. Like, he wasn't trying to overstep and be that rookie. Like, I'm I'm the fourth overall pick. Like, I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Like, which was cool, which was cool to see. But also, I've seen in just, like, this offseason, like, he's playing with a, a, a way more confidence and just – a little more outspoken and um like you could just feel the the confidence coming under and 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 in his play like he's using his body as big as he is like legit he's when he stands in the huddle he's literally tall or taller than all of our O-line so it's like he's a big ass kid you know what I'm saying but freak freak talent and then they brought in the young boy uh Drake London which he reminds me real Mike Evans esque like body frame and and play style make the the big catch contested and I think that that's where this league is you you gonna make a lot of money when mm-hmm. you can make those big catches you know what I'm saying because it's a pass happy league and there's a lot of good corners now you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying and so like when you can. When when you can make that big catch and you're always open, like it's a problem for defenses because there's nothing you could do. You know what I'm saying? And so like I feel like we have the the pieces to be successful. We just gotta put them together. And I it really starts with our run game. I think we need to establish it and we need to to use it as much as we can. Well, you got to. I mean you got to be able to run the football. You're able to run the football. You bring more people in the box, and then you then you got Pitts and Drake. They're they're working man to man. Like if you exactly. you put them man to man with people, it's it's over with. That's I mean, that's that's the and, game plan. And my play count goes up. <laughs> exactly. More about. importantly, now we're talking business. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about? I'm trying to think. Without, I, I don't want this to be a tricky spot or unfair, but like you got two different quarterbacks. Obviously, you know Des is our guy. Like, how do you feel about the QB room? Vernon kind of asked about it with Maddie leaving, but what is that? How's that dynamic been to the point that you know, put on your media cap and make sure that you don't say anything wrong or inappropriate? No, no. Um, that's that's what I was saying. I think Art put the right pieces in our locker room for for us to be successful, whatever route it goes. And I think that we've we've got a lot of talent in in Marcus and in Des and um it's just a matter of who's gonna step up and perform because at the end of the day it's a performance-based league you know what I'm saying and it doesn't matter what you did in the past or none of that it's what are you gonna do and um so it's it's really up to them I, I don't feel like there's a solidified starter you know what I'm saying like but um I just know that there's a lot of talent in that room that that really can pan out well. And um, I think there's a, a good surrounding cast for them as well. So um, it, it'll be interesting, bro. Honestly, with my injury, I haven't been able to be around right. like everything and see exactly yeah. like the ins and outs, how they're, they're handling themselves. Like I, yeah. I wasn't out on the field at practice once this OTA. So it was like, I didn't really yeah. um, f- 
I, I couldn't get a good good feel or picture on that. But um, I just know from like watching on film and seeing like they they both got got what it takes. You know what I'm saying? And it's just I think it's it's up to art to unlock it and mm-hmm. really utilize it. So I was uh, on a plane coming home from L.A. and uh, Kyler Kyler Murray was on the plane. Oh, right. So we got to talking randomly and he just got paid. So good big for bag. him. Yeah, big bag. Um, and we're talking about the difference because Kyler played baseball uh, right. and the difference that it told that it takes on the body. And mm. my thought with you guys is just the pounding that you take every every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever, whatever y'all end up slotted at and recovering from that and playing it again. But Kyler said you'd be amazed that the only time he got hurt was playing baseball because it's every day. There's it's nonstop. Mm. So the body recovering. Mm. I just for me, having played in high school and it was Texas high school football, but I knew from there everybody's getting bigger and faster. And then to get to where you are, how does your body feel after a Sunday waking up on a Monday? <laughs> uh, like I need a wheelchair type. Yeah. No, no, but I mean, that's a hard take from a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? So like <laughs> Keith wants to sack him right now. Keith's like, yo, I gotta play linebacker, send me on the blitz. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, I don't think he's taking as much hit as these guys who are playing in the box, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, especially yeah. up front, you're you're going you're you're not gonna go a play without hitting helmet to helmet with somebody, you know what I'm saying? So it's like um as far as oh, that's the, it. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. That's why I'm asking you because you actually hit right. people. Yeah. yeah, no, right, 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 exactly. Um, but no, I I think that's that's the most important thing is just finding a routine, uh, recovery wise that works for you. And literally, I'm still refining that process, and it's it's been a learning process for me because now I'm starting to get older. Now I'm trying to now I'm starting to see what's not working no more. Slash, I got to do more um recovery wise to to help certain things and um so um to, but to answer your question it's hard man like you legit unless your your coaches are taking care of you uh throughout the week it's like i tell guys legit i remember last season having this conversation like i'm i'm sore after sunday all the way till friday i don't feel good till saturday like yeah. feel feel like okay, I'm the soreness is kind of getting out, and now I'm feeling good. And then Sunday morning, I I feel good. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but legit, it's like the studies show. Like we're going through what is it like twenty car crashes per game yeah. or something, like, something crazy like that. And especially for me, you got to understand my impacts hit different because mm-hmm. all my impacts are my guy is 10 yards away from me and you ever see them, the, the, uh, the clip of the battering Rams that just go, yeah. that's, that's me every play. Uh, most plays I'll say. So like, I, if I have 20, 20 plays in a game, it'll be half of them will be hits like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then the other, the others are special teams, which, you know, is just just as crazy. So hey, beef, don't don't pretend like they don't let you run a little route here and there, though. 
<laughs> I know, hey, but but that's my my off time. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's. I, I'm just I, saying. You said half the plays were a hit, half the plays were special teams. You left out the that small little percentage. We get to split out, catch a little swing. That's or a that's, that's the uh, the incentive right there. That's I'm just. I'm just hitting and pounding till I could get my one, one or two routes a game. So it was, but, Man. but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it definitely just depends on how, how diligent you are in um, your recovery time. Cause there's, I, I remember I got a rude awakening early in college, my, my freshman year, I didn't know what an ice bath was. You know what I'm saying? Like, I went I went in the training camp um in college and didn't ice bath once through through hell week or whatever, two days, uh none of that, you know what I'm saying? And then and I was balling. I was going I was damn near starting uh as a true freshman and then my body started deteriorating. Like I I legit could not perform because my body was going backwards. I was getting slower more slow than I already am and just like I felt weak and stuff. So like it just, it just was bad. And that was like my first lesson of how important recovery is. And, yeah. and that's why you see like the little um, statistics about LeBron spending $2 million a year on recovery. Mm -hmm. Like that's legit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I'm not spending $2 million on recovery, but like that's how important it is. You know what I'm saying? Like you, right. you got to take care of yourself. So especially in in the football football world, because you know they they got all types of now the CTE stuff coming out and all that stuff. So it's like it's just all encompassed. You gotta stay stay on top of your diet, everything. Yeah, and you you mentioned getting older, and I mean obviously that's part of the process. I remember getting to that point in, in my stage in my career, but let's bring people inside the locker room, inside the clubhouse, because for us, like veteran guys, we knew there needed to be a plan in place. Like, what are we going to do when we're done? Like, right. let's be prepared for it so it doesn't catch us off guard. Do you guys have those same conversations in the locker room? Just just talking shop. Like, what's what's next steps? Uh, honestly, I don't think we do it enough. And. Uh, that's that's one thing that I've been real diligent upon um, nowadays in my career is just kind of talking about my investments and all my off the field um, like ventures and and everything. Just not even because I think a lot of guys take it as a, a level of arrogance, like I'm bragging, blah, blah. But guys don't know. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of guys just have no clue what's out there. And the, one, one thing that I've been learning in the investment world is it's a whole new language and you got to speak it. You right. know what I'm saying? You got to, you got to talk it often and have these conversations often. And, and I don't think guys do it enough. And I think it's um, just from, from tradition, like that's just how it's been. Like guys don't really talk about stuff off the field, you know what I'm saying? And, and really, um, that not not for long stuff is for real. Like th this is such a short span of our careers. It's like you got to find ways to get creative to stretch out this income that's that's coming in and figure out ways um, to transition. Because one thing that I'm learning is like just seeing in year nine, I've seen a lot of my boys uh, 
transition off the field. You know what I'm saying? Like stop playing ball and have to get into the real world. And one thing that I'm learning is the main piece is finding an alternative identity outside of football because once it's gone, it's like that's all you knew and you've been in that repetition mentally, Mm -hmm. um, emotionally and spiritually like through for Mm -hmm. 20 plus years, the greater part of your life, you know what I'm saying? And so like, if you don't start, if you don't start like looking for outside passions now and, and trying to figure out ways to recreate a, a new passionate experience within, within yourself outside of ball, it's like, then you get out outside a ball, you miss it so much, and then you get into that depression mode and and all that, and then you start regretting stuff and and everything. And I and I honestly think that the biggest um, thing is just finding uh, alternative hobby or or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Just find a, a a plan B, not even a plan B, but just something else to venture off into once you're done playing ball and keep you busy, keep your head busy during that transition so that you don't just cut yourself off like that and then you don't know what to do. And now you're just sitting there feeling sorry for yourself. And it's hard. It sucks because a lot of guys go through it and I've seen so many guys go through it. You know what I'm saying? And, and, um, also, I think it's just a matter of guys actually being vulnerable enough to ask for help, you know what I'm saying, and and investigate on this stuff. But like you said, um, I think um, getting into the clubhouse, I think it's it's all about just having these conversations as much as you can. Like, it doesn't have to be about money, change, and, and, and right. club experiences, you know what I'm saying? Like... There's so much like that's so small in your life and it's so yeah. meaningless compared to what what's going to matter to you once you're done playing ball. Like none of that's going to matter. And I think guys just got to continue to have these conversations and continue to learn new things. And, you know, um, the the uh, I think one th- one thing that us athletes fall short on is the the whole um, get a financial advisor, give them their, your money and they just do whatever with it. You know what I'm saying? And you just kind of crossing your fingers. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's, I think guys need to kind of wake up and start doing their, their due diligence, learning things, start reading, doing all, all types of different stuff so yeah. that they're, they're knowledgeable that when they do get these big bags and stuff, they know what to do with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, to your point, because one thing I've been learning is like, once you got capital, it's easy to make money. You know what I'm saying? Like, with 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 access, but yeah. once you got capital and access, like, it's so so easy to make money. You just gotta know what's out there and do you. You gotta be invasive and figure this shit out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's just really what it comes uh, to. Your, to your point, Beef, something that I like to do, you know, speaking from the agent side um, and look forward to getting to do with you again soon is, is with free agency is really get the client involved with it. Cause I think there's so much you can learn about just business mm-hmm. going yeah. through that type of business negotiation. Right. And so, right. you know, 
actually looking at the numbers, looking at players that they compare to statistically. And, you know, every time you show them a player, they're like, oh, I'm better than that guy. I know you are, but, but the numbers say you guys had the exact same amount of catches and the same amount of touchdowns and yards. Right. And, at the, and at the end of the day, the teams are going to point to that. Right. And so I think to your point, I've definitely have heard of and have seen of athletes kind of taking certain things like their finances or their contract and setting it on autopilot and praying from there. And I think to your point, I agree the, the opposite approach is better. So I love that you called that out. Um, so beef to wrap it up, you know, to leave some parting words for the audience. Do you have, give us one goal, whether that's football related or business related that you have, you know, coming over the next 12 months. Over the next 12 months. Yeah, this coming, you know, it's appropriate because training camp started and, you know, you got the football season coming up, but then you also have after that the off season, you know, whether it's something real estate related, NFT related, pass catching yeah, related. Um, ne- next 12 months, really, um, being the final year of my contract, I want to make the, the Pro Bowl, like mm. 100%. I feel like outside of winning a championship, that's not something that I really can control for the most yeah, of, part. Of course you want to win a Super Bowl, but right, you specifically right. have the most control over Right, right. Self goals is like making the Pro Bowl. And I, I feel like I made a step last year. And I think it's all about just um, consistently making some noise, per se, um, mm-hmm. in that Pro Bowl light. But um, that is my my ultimate because, um, I mean, that's one thing that I really haven't accomplished in the league. Yeah. You know, so I can go 10 years. And, you know, so on that note, cool component about the Pro Bowl that everybody listening should keep in mind and we'll revisit when the time is right, is that there is a small percentage of the Pro Bowl Mm -hmm. selection that is an audience or a fan vote. And so, Beef, I can tell you, we will definitely do something fun. Oh, yes. Vayner Sports Pass community will activate the thousands of holders. And I think we can uh, we can drive some momentum for some of those votes. So you do your part. You do your part. We'll make sure our community does ours. You well go to the ball, then I get to do my part as free agency hits. And right. we'll go there from there. Go. And I appreciate you, bro. Thanks so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm sure we'll catch you again soon. Well, yeah, man. You appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Going Deep. To learn more about Vayner Sports Pass, please follow us on Twitter at BS Pass. Also, don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel.